Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, my friend? It's going wonderful. Hope every all the listeners out there, are, you guys are doing phenomenal as well. Uh, we're here in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's uh, very nice outside. It's definitely heated up, and uh, man, I love the hot weather, so I'm enjoying it. I don't know about Raphael over there, but uh, I am, so uh, business is good and great, and uh, I'm following up on my educational piece uh, that uh, is going to further my career, so 20 years in, and uh, hey, going back to school, but you know what? There's always that lifetime uh, continue education. So grateful for it. What about you, my friend? How's it going over there? Doing well. Yeah. Uh, same as you. I actually am glad it's warm. Uh, you know, I, I just got back from Puerto Rico recently and you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be in an environment where you don't have to wear a coat. You know, I, I lived in Arizona. I lived in Puerto Rico and the warm weather is definitely, it, it, it does well for me. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, speaking of, you know, warm weather and great conversation and, and, and this gentleman that we actually interviewed today is actually from a warm weather climate in Ecuador. His name's Andrew Bermudez. He's a, a commercial, uh, or I'm sorry, he's a CEO of Digsy. Uh, Digsy is a uh, commercial real estate uh, technology platform. Uh, you know, they, it, it allows people to be able to list their, uh, properties for lease or for sale on the platform. And then they also offer uh, add-ons on top of that. If you're looking to find people to be able to, you know, uh, provide marketing uh, services for you, whether that's taking pictures or videos or uh, aerial shots and drones, et cetera, Matterport, which is a 3D uh, uh, platform that can, you know, give you tours of virtual tours of spaces, along with, you know, having the ability to be able to hire people to do cold calling and all these other things that are essential to building a commercial real estate business. Uh, so, you know, it's a phenomenal platform, one that, you know, brokers and, and owners alike can gain a lot of value from. And so we had the honor and privilege of being able to interview him about his backstory and learn a little bit more about what he's been able to do over the last decade or so. And so one thing we talked about, especially was related to, you know, why he got into the commercial real estate industry to, to start off with. He actually was born in Ecuador and moved to the United States uh, in the early 90s and then got into commercial real estate really early, early on. Almost, I think he was 19 years old when he jumped into you know, the brokerage space and achieved a lot of success, became a senior vice president uh, at Lee and Associates at 26 years old, which is definitely, you know, an impressive feat to do. I mean, that's not something that people do or that early on in their career. So he did have a lot of success in the brokerage business, but he always had an itch for technology. Uh, he was a self-taught programmer and then, you know, continued to scratch that itch over time. And right around the time of, you know, 30, 31 years old, he wanted to take the leap of faith into starting something on the technological front. And since he had been in the commercial real estate and business for many years, he decided to, you know, take the leap into doing that. And, you know, he got pretty raw, which is awesome. Uh, he talked about some of the struggles he faced early on. Uh, his first two ventures did not succeed, unfortunately, uh, due to the misunderstanding of what the total addressable market was for those products. And then eventually he dove into Digsy and, you know, 
created a value proposition for the marketplace that has been really successful over the last year or two. And he even mentioned how they're in growth mode and hiring mode right now because of the success they've experienced. Uh, you know, and and just to round off the podcast, we talked about the future of his organization and then touched on some of the most impactful books that he's read. Uh, one being a, a, a book that Jeff and I both uh, find extremely valuable. And so we kind of nerded out a bit on, on, on that particular book and talked about some of the insights we gained from it. So really insightful conversation, you know, as a, as a Latino myself, it was great to see another uh, commercial real estate professional that was in, in the space. Uh, it's definitely one where, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see more diversity and it, it's already happening over time. So it's great to see another person, uh, similar background to be able to talk to in the space. So uh, Jeff, what do you think about that? Uh, it's a great guy, Andrew. Um, I, I like that uh, his enthusiasm and uh, passion for the CRE tech and and his willingness to give a lot to the community. Um, and I can't wait for everyone to go uh, check out uh, Digsy and um, and see the experience that he actually created and formed. And um, uh, it's kudos to him. So I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Definitely. No, for sure. And, and another thing we want, wanted to add, and I know Jeff and I say it every single episode, but we do greatly appreciate your guys' support. It's really humbling to see, you know, all the people that have reached out to us, all the people who have left five-star reviews and people who have liked and subscribed to the YouTube channel. It makes a huge difference. And it really gives us the motivation to continue to make these great episodes and continue to reach out to these awesome people to share insights with you guys. So if you guys don't mind, take a few minutes right now, stop by Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. I mean, it helps give us, gives us feedback for the effort that we're putting in. And also it helps spread the message to a broader audience. So, you know, we would greatly appreciate it if you could do that. Uh, but also without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the podcast. Well, hey, Andrew, great to see you this fine afternoon. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and thanks for making the time. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. <laughs> thanks for reaching yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a long time coming too, because I remember we, we, we had this on the docket for a while and I've been excited to kind of dive in and, you know, offline we were talking about a little bit about our backgrounds and I found out that you're Latino as well. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's great to just, we, we were kind of chopping it up in Spanish just before this. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice to, just to, 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 to be able to connect with another Latino as well. So. Likewise, man. Yeah, no, for sure. So what we typically do when we first get started with a podcast is we like to learn a little bit more about the guests themselves. So if you don't mind kind of sharing your backstory, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised in Ecuador. So, Spanish was my first language. Uh, I moved here in 93 uh, and um, really just went to high school, grew up in North Orange County, near Belinda. And uh, my parents didn't, you know, have money to put myself through college uh, or my brother. So I had two things going for me. One, it was a self-taught programmer. I knew how to code, uh, but I was really, really shy um, and really could not be having this conversation to have with you. And it really just, I just felt really trapped. So, and I also needed to make money. So uh, I said, I need to get myself somewhere where I'm going to be put out of my comfort zone so I can develop social skills. And luckily I had read a book, you know, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie and stumble upon a, uh, that they had, you know, a course and trainers and, you know, people that, that are like masters of, of that and ended up being a commercial real estate broker. Uh, who was looking for somebody to help him and his team. And I knew that going into sales would definitely, you know, help me kind of get really uncomfortable <laughs> to the yeah. point where I could uh, really just uh, develop that, uh, that skill set. 
Uh, he didn't hire me. So this was a guy named Doug Garrett at Lee and Associates in Orange, the Orange office, but he did refer me to Randy Mason at Lee and Associates in Irvine and we hit it off right away. So I was there, um, I started when I was 19 or 20, I wanna say 19. Um, and long story short, uh, saw how the way the business was going, made a lot of cold calls, did in-person cold calls. Within you know six months, I was a different person. But then I saw the way that business was being done, and uh, you know, with the internet, you know, it was late '90s, so it was 1999, 2000. Um, I whipped up uh, some websites and some automations that I had built on Visual Basic back then, pretty basic uh, computer programs, and I was able to generate leads uh, using the internet and technology. And then I continued to expand upon that uh, and actually build my own team uh, at Lee. So I had a, about it was top five of the top 10. I was a partner and senior vice president at Lee and Associates in Irvine. That's the first office that Billy opened, Bill Lee, after he left Grubb. Uh, and I uh, became partner pretty quickly. So I think I was 24 when I became vice president. A year and a half later, I became senior vice president. Uh, I love the Lee platform because, you know, you split 50-50, but at the end of the year, you get profit sharing and usually your splits end up being like 90% on average. So um, pretty good uh pretty good teams. A lot of the people that I hired are still there. Mia Pham, Eric Darnell, Skylar Serrano, they're all vice presidents and senior vice presidents. And I'm really proud of those individuals. And I've learned a ton from them because, you know, your best people are actually your mentors in disguise. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah. No, that's a, yeah. And I, I can only imagine, I mean, the, 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 the opportunity to manage other people is, is, is a unique, uh, honor and, and it is something you learn a lot about. I mean, I, I, I had the opportunity to be able to manage people in the past and, you know, it, it is a completely different skill set that you're exercising and, you know, you learn just as much from the other person, if, if not more than they learn from you as well. So, you know, I could definitely, you know, relate to that, uh, as well. And it, it, just, it definitely, <laughs> it definitely lets, it definitely lets the ghost out of the closet because you learn about a lot about yourself and your weaknesses and where you really just suck at life. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, just because you can hold yourself accountable doesn't necessarily mean that you can hold the, uh, the team to be able to reach the goals that they need to achieve. And so, you know, that's a completely different skill set. So you could be a phenomenal individual performer, but if you're not willing to expand your abilities, you know, you're you're not going to be an effective manager and, you know, leader as a whole. So you know, I think that, you know, obviously those experiences that you had there and now the the opportunity for you to be able to, you know, create Digsy and, and, and operate it as you have been over the last several years. I mean, it's obviously I'm sure this has paid dividends, not only personally, but obviously professionally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's definitely been a growing experience. It's uh, have, looking back at between starting a tech company in the commercial real estate industry and having been a broker, you know, you already have a business model that works. You go find a client, you sell them something or lease them something, you make money. But when you start building a company, you go, hey, you're inventing new business models and doing things. So it's not for the faint of heart. Um, so I love my job as a CEO and co-founder of Digsie, but it's definitely something that is a lot a lot harder, very, very tough to do. And it's not, you definitely have to be willing to, like I mentioned, you know, I put myself out of my comfort zone. It seems like I'm just addicted to risk. <laughs> I put myself in this position it's too much. Yeah. No, speaking no, sure. of, speaking of the, like the, the risks there, like, I know you said you, you met someone that was in commercial real estate. Was there ever like a thought of you actually going like to the residential sector or is it, was it always commercial and that's where we're at always commercial uh i yeah. was much more of i've always been 
uh, much more of a business um, mind. I don't read like yeah. it, it, the the most basic way to put it is like if you just look at my my reading diet, right? I don't read novels. I don't read fiction. I think I've only read like maybe three fiction books in my entire life. Um, but it's really about like business self-development, things that I can learn from and apply and nerdy things like quantum physics and things like that, that I'm really into because it's just like really spooky stuff that happens that just seems like magic that shouldn't be happening in the real world. So those are things that are stimulating for me. So um, the business side and being able to, you know, when you're in tenant rep, talking to somebody who's built a tech company or a biotech company, or they've built a big services business or a manufacturing company, that is stimulating. But if you're just talking to somebody and just showing them a house, it just, it just never appealed to me. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it seems to be the, the sentiment we get from most people that we interview is that the, the thought process for residential versus commercial, I mean, Commercial, obviously, much more business heavy, numbers focused, and you get to deal with a variety of different potential clients that have operated. And you get the weekends of- off. And you get exactly. No, you're right. 100%. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt and it's about nine that. to five, but we don't really yeah. work nine to five, but you get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The structure, the structure is there. Whereas with residential, it's like it doesn't matter. Like you're, you're at the beck and call of someone at, at, on a day to day basis, especially on the brokerage side for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, and obviously you've kind of alluded to it in the past, is you know, you had a ton of success on the brokerage end, obviously senior vice president at 26. That's very impressive. No, not many people have that type of success in the industry that early on. Uh, what made you take that leap of faith into starting Dixie? Cause you're right. It is a very, uh, it is a, it's a brand new, uh, you know, endeavor. And obviously you have a tech background. Uh, interestingly enough, I come from a tech background myself. I was a developer and consultant for five years uh, prior to jumping in. I studied engineering in college and then got into the brokerage space about two and a half, three years ago. So, you know, I had the inverse, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Darn, That's great. I yeah. did not know that about, did we just yeah. become best friends? Do you want to do karate in the basement? Do you want to do karate in the basement? <laughs> you probably kicked my butt there. I mean, I wrestled, I wrestled, but not karate kicks. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. That was a line from Step Brothers that will. Yeah, share I, was, yeah. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Such a great movie. Uh, yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's an, so I'll tell you, uh, so I, I was in, in, as a broker for 13 years, I had built technologies internally. And while I was doing that, so when I started in commercial real estate, really what really kept me in commercial real estate was I started in late, late 90s, early 2000. So 99, 2001, it was like the dot com. So I got to meet a lot of people who had built tech companies, raised millions of dollars. And a lot of my clients, even though that imploded, they had made money, you know, some of them cashed out in between rounds. And I really just love talking to these people, like when we weren't working together and just really wanted to learn what it was, but it just seemed like it just had like this affinity and like this gravitational pull towards that, that type of, uh, of environment. And I had found myself building a lot of technologies internally, like automations and, you know, Salesforce at the time was like the only cloud-based system that you could, um, that you could really automate. And then we took it a step beyond that where, you know, if somebody inquired on something, you could press a button and it would say, okay, they, these are the, the buildings like the building that they're asking about that you should cross out. And I really found that fascinating. What happened to me was um, in all my conversations with my past clients, it's like, dude, you're not a real estate guy. Like you're, you know about technology, know this, you should start something. And this was a conversation that I had for 10 years. Uh, and then, um, during my last year, I would say the last 18 months at Lee and Associates, I really wanted to start something, but um, I was unsure that I would want to take the risk 
um, because, you know, I was making a ton of money there. I had a great team. Um, I was in my early 30s. So, or actually, was I in my early 30s? I think I was about to turn 30. Um, and the, the thing was, my clients and my friends and advisors were telling me for years to go do something. And I was just too much of a wuss to actually make the decision. But then uh, and during those last 18 months, I started really just like trying to create technology. So I created this um, uh, effective rent calculator uh, that you could just punch numbers in and then it would give you the annual and the monthly rental rate. And that was web-based and it was free. Uh, and that was a fun project for me. And then I created um, a way to uh, post, like post a requirement and blast it uh, to all the brokers in the market. It was like a thing called broker roster. And I had really a lot of fun with that. And it really came down to saying, look, I've got this itch. And if I don't jump off and give it a go, I'm going to have this monkey on my back and I'm going to have this painful regret for not going out there and, and trying it. And there was a saying by Jim Rohn, the motivational speaker, he passed away many years ago, but um, it was the pain of discipline weighs ounces, but the pain of regret weighs tons. And that really stuck with me. So I said, you know, I've got cash in the bank. All I owe is my house that I own, my car. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Like right now, it's the time to do it. So I did jump off. And then the painful thing of like starting a company and screwing up. So I, I had two, two rounds before Digsy uh, of failed projects before. And you, you definitely develop scar tissue and you learn a lot. And that's sort of what's helped us, you know, kind of guide and you get great mentors and investors who help you out along the way. And, uh, but it's, it, 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 it's a challenging thing, especially in commercial real estate, because there's so many conflicting uh, parties, like the building owner once leased their and then the, the broker doesn't want to do extra want to work. It, it just, and then you have like property management and, and different things here uh, that just kind of creates a lot of problems. So anyway, I yeah, went on no, a rant there. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, it, make, it makes sense. And I mean, you're, you're selling something that, you know, that that's one of the things that I, you know, value through my experience as well, being in the tech space, because I was in the consulting side and development as well. And so trying to pitch a solution to someone who doesn't necessarily have the same background you do that understands the X's and O's of how these things work together. And then, you know, relaying the message over to them saying this could be a value to you. That also is, is a skill that you have to acquire over time because, you know, you know, you inherently know why this could be valuable, but you know, the, the proposition has to be so such that, you know, all the parties that need to make the decision also understand that as well. So uh, one yeah. thing that I was kind of interested in hearing, hear your take on was what were some of the struggles, you know, you mentioned some of the challenges that you had faced. I mean, could you kind of reference a few of those and then what ultimately helped you, you know, dive into Digsy and kind of scale it from there? Yeah. So two things that always pop up because these questions do come up often uh, in between like when founders, you know, reach out to me or introduce to me for to, to help them out, uh, especially I get a lot of, you know, Hispanic founders like us uh, that reach out to me. Uh, so not understanding total addressable market. So Tam, it was the reason why, uh, why the first two projects failed. And then uh, the second one is, um, 
fundraising. So fundraising is a whole different skill set. You have to not only understand the total addressable market, but then you have to pick up the skills and know how to really just play the game of raising money. And um, that was tough. I remember we were raising half a million dollars. Well, actually, we went out trying to raise $2 million when we didn't even have a, a revenue model for one of the first projects. And then we lower that, lower that, lower that. And I think in a period of eight months, I had only raised like 150,000. And we said, okay, what we really need is we need half a million or actually $400,000. And then uh, I was super depressed, super depressed, by the way. I was like crying. You know, I was running out of money in my bank account because I was funding the thing. Yeah, super stressful. And like out of this half a million dollars, because we ended up going from 2 million, like really just learning that you don't want to raise that much money because you really need it to get to the next milestone. That's another thing, right? Uh, thinking of things as like peeling risk off the onion and then going, I only need money to get to this milestone because it'll make the company this much worth. And then you, you kind of use them as like, like stepping stones to get to the, the, the end destination. But then when we lowered it to 400,000, um, it was after eight months only raising 150, it just became really, really depressing. Uh, and literally me crying, like crying, like tears, right? And I hadn't cried in I don't know how many years and just feeling really depressed. And then one of the venture capitalists that had actually um, turned us down, that was one of the reasons why I was crying and I don't cry often, but it was, it was just a lot of emotional and a lot of stress. Um, referred me to one of the people that he, he, they had put a million plus into their companies. I'm like, oh, here, great. But I meet this guy and he's like, well, so what are you doing? What's your company? And this and that. And it's like, oh, what are you struggling with? Told him raising money. And then he basically just said, well, you're doing it wrong. This is how you do it. And I went off that meeting going, shit, okay. And then literally in the next like four months, I had oversubscribed. I think we ended up with like almost half a million dollars. So that was one. Uh, total addressable market uh, is rough. So many people want to, I'll give you the prime example is CRM. A lot of companies trying to do CRM for commercial real estate brokers. There's no billion dollar company in that space. Um, so for example, if you not understanding the market, the the total addressable market is not going to be every freaking broker. It's going to be the brokers that are selling. And then you got to go of the brokers who are selling, who are currently using CRM, because you know, everybody needs it. And you got to sell it to like each individual team or each individual person. It's not like you can just go to like CBRE, you know, Dallas and sell the entire office because they already have solutions and the brokers wouldn't use it because they don't want to gather data. So it's like, total addressable market and then going, okay, out of the addressable market, who's really my customer? And do I have product market fit? Like, are they going to buy from me? And even if they are going to buy from me, like how many sales do I have to make to get, you know, a $30,000 account? So that's what happened. And then are they really going to pay for the solution? Right. So it became, I mean, I could spend hours talking about the total addressable market, but you know, you can have a market of a billion dollars, but then when you really narrow it down and you see the sales, uh, the go-to-market strategy stuff, it gets skinny, 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 skinny. And that's where we had to let go of those projects. Um, we had raised, you know, almost half a million at that point, And we go, there's no way this thing's going to make money. And it wasn't a CRM that we were building. It was, um, you know, the initial project that we had raised money for was this broker roster thing, which was poster requirement and blasted. But you come to find out, even if people can't find the product, a lot of brokers don't want to 
tell the world who that they're looking for something, even though they want to, they don't want to lose control. So yeah, we, we effed up. No. Yeah, I know. But that, but that was a revelation you came to through those experiences. Yeah. And, I, and I appreciate you being raw about those, those emotions. Cause I can, only it, imagine. It, it's the only thing that I can do to value it's to help you guys. It's not, yeah. you know, dandelions, cotton candies, unicorns and yeah. roses in life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hard work is hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and even if you put in the hard work, a lot of times you, you run into those walls and, you know, it, it, it's tough, man. And I can only imagine the, the, the stress that you must've been under. And, you know, even, even with, in my side, I mean, I didn't have nearly the experience you had. I had a, you know, obviously a, a more corporate W2 type of role and jumping into the brokerage side of things. And, you know, that's a wake up call. It's a huge wake up <laughs> call, eat, man. You, you gotta eat what you kill. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and starting right before COVID and like starting to work with people and, and getting some momentum. And then all of a sudden, you know, your clients call you saying, Hey, the world shut down. Like I'm not doing anything. And you're in your house for like three or four months. I mean, that's stressful. Like, you know, and yep. I went through a period of time where I was like sweating bullets. Cause I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen over the next, you know, year. I mean, we, we didn't really know what was going to happen and everyone thought COVID was going to be over after a couple months. And then ultimately that wasn't the case. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's struggles and life is all about struggles and w- what you learn from those struggles, you know, you eventually come out the other side and uh, hopefully you're in a better position than you were before. But, you know, I think the mindset is really the, the key there just to kind of keep moving forward. And you just illustrated exactly why alcohol sales skyrocketed during COVID. Yeah, yeah, Which absolutely. They, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me- mental health is a big deal, man. And, and I know plenty of people out there that, that struggled hard through COVID. Uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of times it was the isolation and, you know, not being around people. I mean, that we're humans, we need social interaction. And that obviously contributed to what you're referencing. So Andrew, uh, we all been there, uh, own a commercial <laughs> GC, uh, company, man. And, uh, I was there first year. Uh, I, I was, I was struggling. I own several businesses. Uh, this one has, uh, just stuck more than most. Um, and so man, I get it. I get it. So that emotion, and your job like, is stressful. Cause you have like so many yeah. people, like, that depend on yeah. you and then you have your subcontractors i mean yeah. man uh, yeah, I'll take I'll, I'll hugs it's, and kisses after this yeah it's, it's, it's high, highly highly dependent on me so um so i know so you went through all the struggles and you came to dixie you landed you built this and so if you can elaborate like what type of platform it is and just explain to the listeners exactly what dixie is it, this is your sales mm-hmm. pitch we're going to get you yeah, some yeah. clients mm-hmm. here so, um, really, um, really digs deep, um, for what most people know it is, a f- uh, basically it's the, the call and response to loop net getting really expensive. So being able to list your properties online. So when people are searching for office, industrial retail, land, multifamily, et cetera, for lease or for sale, you, uh, can list it and expose it to people searching on Google for free. And then people who are seeking that product can also get it for free. So, so the one thing is, it's really hard to make sense of having a free platform. You got to figure out a way to monetize. And then there's so many listing services that are trying to get into uh, the commercial real estate property owners' pockets or the brokers' pockets, etc. So you've got you know the usual suspects out there. I'm not going to name any of them, but you there's there's just tons and tons of listing services fighting and vying for uh, for for the dollars in the pockets. So what we did was different. We said, hey, if we make this platform free, 100% free, 
what we can do is we have a lot of value. One, you know, we have really good presence on Google on the first page at the same time. So they've got money. You've got the brokers, the property managers, you know, people who want to lease it on their own. And then what we do is through value add service of what people need. For example, they need professional photography that makes the buildings pop, whether it's aerial drone or still, uh, especially during COVID, what spiked a lot was these 3D Matterport tours, uh, or you need a video to market an investment with music, graphics, et cetera. To get professional level quality things, there's a lot of friction and energy and time that has to be burned. If you don't already have somebody who can do all four of the videography, the virtual tours, or the photography, you have to go out there and find them. And if you find them, you have to do you know some due diligence to make sure that their work is great. And then when you hire them, you have to hope that the work shows <laughs> what you went into business with. And then if you have, especially investment brokers, I have property today in Kansas, but I need one in New Mexico tomorrow. You have to start the whole thing again. So what we did is we basically said, okay, you know, pictures and videos and virtual tour sale buildings, right? So the property owner can definitely pay. Uh, the investment brokers can definitely pay and the brokers that have a lot of listings pay and anybody who really wants to market the property. So we built basically a network of photographers, virtual tour uh, people, drone and videographers throughout the US. So then basically, you know, brokers and property owners just go to Digsy and then they can say, okay, here's my building. I need drone or professional photography, et cetera, in this state, this, this, and that. And they have one central platform to do it. So they can basically think about it as I can list and search for free, but if I need my marketing materials uh, to really make my buildings pop, what I can do is I can just go through one platform. And then about th two and a half years ago, what we discovered is in addition to photography, the whether it's a broker or anybody who's a commercial real estate professional also need help quickly um, running and growing their business, scale up and scale down. The problem that we've had in commercial real estate is that it's such a niche market. It's not like residential where you have millions of agents. You have hundreds of thousands of commercial real estate professionals. So that means that if I need somebody to, you know, find property owner information, cold call to generate leads for me, if I need a graphics person who can create OMs, you know, offering memorandums, brochures, social media marketing stuff, or if I need a general admin, I have to, similar to the photographer, but a lot more involved, I have to go out post job listing. So I have to create the job listing, post job listings, review like a ton of applications, go back and forth, schedule interviews. Then I spend five to 10 hours interviewing five to 10 people. And then I hire the person. But because commercial real estate is so niche, now I have to spend the time to train the person on the information <laughs> systems. If I'm having a cold call to generate leads, I have to you know create scripts and experiment to see what works. I have to manage them to make sure that they're working. I have to monitor their productivity. So you can see as a professional and commercial real estate between tours, talking to clients, cold calling, generate your own business, showing buildings like what I mentioned earlier, uh, and then trying to squeeze in lunch, you don't have time to do all those things. So basically the same model that we use for the photography and virtual uh, and virtual tour people, we basically did the same thing for individuals that are trained to run commercial real estate business. So we have, for example, clients at CBRE, Marcus and Millichap, um, SVN, Sperry, uh, Lee and Associates, uh, Cushman and Wakefield, that, you know, 
hire people to generate business for them or do all their OMs and, and, and brochures or just do general admin or collect information. And they can be, a lot of them will hire one or two or three and they're basically, we can get them up and running in as little as um, 14 business days, which isn't heard of because usually it takes you three months to fill a vacancy. Uh, or, or a job listing. And then you have to spend 60 to 90 days training and hope they stick around. So that's been very successful for us is these value add services that allow you to get your, your photography, your marketing materials, and also get um, you know, very quick trained and effective help running and growing the business has been a big hit for us. So Digsy is a search engine that can also help you run and grow your commercial real estate business. That's awesome. No, nice. and, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. I was just saying that it just sounds like a lot of value that you're, you're, you're just giving out to, uh, to help a lot of people at once. And, uh, I commend you for that. That it's sounds like a great platform. So yeah, yeah a lot, sometimes the question comes, it's like, what do you have this listing service for free? Isn't that a distraction from the photography in that? Well, interestingly enough is that generates the leads to that. Cause they come in a new person. We, we never even heard of like XYZ commercial in like Indianapolis, we wouldn't know these people because they're not at the big firms, but they, you know, or even like regional firms that maybe have five or 10 offices that we've never heard of. They come in and they list their properties, but then our sales team like makes them aware or they get our marketing uh, drips and they go, wait, I can do this. And then all of a sudden you, it's basically lead generation for us. So they get value yeah. from marketing their properties for free. We get value because they're raising their hands and going, I'm your candidate to sell your business and services to me. So it works out really well. It's phenomenally generation for us. Oh, it's, it, it's ingenious really. I mean, like you said, you're, 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 you're not playing the game of, you know, the, the co-stars and the loop nets per se. I mean, obviously you're offering those solutions, but the real value you provide is, is, is the comprehensive, you know, platform to be able to make sure that you can grow your business. And mm -hmm. as you mentioned before, you know, marketing is key to selling properties for top dollar. I mean, I can't tell you the difference that it's made in my business when I, you know, utilize, you know, video and, and professional photo photographs and all that other things like the, 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 the impact it has on, you know, people's willingness to reach out and, and inquire about a property is, is just night and day. Yep. I, I haven't been able to quantify it per se, but you know, there, I, I have noticed significant impact in, in, the, in the difference between the listings that I used to just use my iPhone on when I first started, when I didn't have the resources versus now where it's like, I mean, it just, it's, again, it just makes a huge difference. And even if the property itself, you know, inherently isn't like the greatest thing in the world, you know, as, as you can imagine, you know, it still makes a huge impact in people's ability just to reach out and inquire about it. So it's true. Know, yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't uh, speak to that any, any more than what you've just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so from the, from the perspective of the, you know, tenants, cause I know that obviously it is a, a platform whereby people can advertise their, their uh, properties on and everything else. Like, wh I guess, what value proposition is, is do, I guess, is there a focus on, you know, the, 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 the potential tenants and whatever else? Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So the value for the tenant is that they're able to get all the information that they need in a free platform, right? Mm -hmm. That's easy for them to understand. None of this, like, you know, jargon that doesn't make sense for a lot of people. Um, so if I'm a tenant, oh, I've just got to type in, you know, warehouse space for sale or for lease, you know, Dallas, and then they go on dig Z and then they start searching for properties there and they can get, there's no restriction they get access to all the data and then they can reach out to the agents directly and, you know, go see the property and hopefully lease it or purchase it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and as you mentioned before, some of the other listing platforms, for those of you guys who don't know, like, you know, they're pay to play a lot of times. So like, in order for you to, you know, even see the buildings, sometimes it requires you to have, you know, an actual account with them and, you know, paid account, which. Yeah. You know, and a, a lot of these services aren't accessible, like uh, yeah. to, to the end user. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what you see a lot on, on the internet is you see a lot of um, things that either just do investment sales and then maybe a little bit of leasing. Uh, but out of the gate, we've always done sales and leasing uh, on the platform because, you know, they're just as equally important. And at the same time, uh, you know, what commercial real estate professional goes, oh, I got out. I can't list this because uh, they don't do sale listings or I can't list this because they don't do lease listings. That's a cognitive roadblock for the commercial real estate professional. So they just forget about you. So I just out of the gate, we started off with sales and leasing. That's great. Nice. So how, how long has Dixie been? Uh, is it four or five years now? It's five. I would say it's like five and a half. Um, okay. So we started building it. I want to say it was like 2015. Was it 2015? No, 2016. Yeah. So like about six years now. Nice. So what are the future goals for Dixie? Like, is there a, a high up, uh, you know, huge grand goal or do you just have a five year term or like, goal or what What do you got let's yeah I'm so luckily luckily you know our investors are pretty happy with the performance so usually we grow at like 20 30 percent clip which is really high um which is great for us um the main thing right now that we're focused on is really just um beefing up the operation internally so not only people but in the technologies there's a lot of improvements we want to make to the website because the search experiences and just the design in certain parts of our website you'll see you, you'll, you'll kind of go to certain pages and go, okay, I can kind of see where the new design's coming for it. So we're pretty excited about that, but we want to improve the search experience and just the experience on the software side and the, the website itself for the uh, commercial real estate professionals and the searchers. Um, and then really we, we were trying to staff up because we need a lot more talent internally to really just grow this thing. But um, we're, I'm not here to build, it's a small company. Like we, when we look at our TAM uh, between the photography side and, and the, you know, being able to have these, this marketplace of trained commercial real estate people that you can hire full-time or part-time, your TAM is like north of $30 billion a year. That's money spent right? Your total addressable market. And I'm actually probably even leaving a, a several billion dollars in there. And that's just in the commercial real estate space. Um, so it, it's a pretty big thing. So we can easily be a, a billion dollar company. Um, the thing is, we definitely need to, we're not, we're not raising money right now. We, we have plenty of cash in the bank, but um, we definitely need to um, scale up uh, sometime in, you know, whether it's this year or next year, et cetera, because we have high ambitions to build a big business. But the, the main thing that we don't, that, w- that we discipline ourselves and we talk about as a team on a weekly basis, because we have a weekly sync meeting between um, the leadership, is um, always reminding ourselves that it's not about building a billion dollar company. Uh, it's really about making sure that we are driving true and exceptional value to the customer. And we have two customers, as you may imagine, we have the searcher and we have the commercial real estate professional. We monetize the commercial real estate professional. So those are equally important. Um, So it does create a little bit of fragmentation because you have to take two into account, but you can always prioritize and just as long as you're, you know, really, 
making sure that you're harmonizing those two different sound waves. Um, you can keep yourself in check, but really it's just what we're, what we've been doing. We're, we're in growth mode right now. I just looked at our sales numbers from, you know, all the sales contracts that were signed in April versus the sales contracts that were in May. And I'm just going, Oh my God, we are, we need to hire a lot more people because we're just, I was not anticipating for certain strategies that we had to work this well. We're actually in a little bit of a bind. So right now we're just staffing up Jeff. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's going mean, to, that's going to lend itself to a different skill set where you have to onboard people quickly, train them up. And you've already kind of had that experience, I guess, on the, on the, on the training side for the professionals that you offer to your, the real estate professionals, but you know, it's a constant learning experience, Andrew. It is. And you just, uh, every time that you kind of like move up that ladder is like, okay, I knew what to do with the rung before, but what do I do with the rung above? Because yeah. it's, it's like, okay, what do I have to look for? So, you know, a lot, most of my time these days is spent a, mainly just having conversations with people who have been there before our investors, our board of directors, other founders, uh, just to kind of, you know, get a, get a little taste of the landscape of what becomes unknown territory above you. Um, and that, you know, for me, at least it's, it's, it's a little, it's nerve wracking when you just don't know what you don't know. So that's what really allows me spending that time and talking with other people who have been there before and kind of gain the lay of the land uh, is helps convert that nervousness into confidence. Yeah. And, and, and your propensity to take risk. I mean, that, that's also something that, you know, you got to highlight is that, you know, not everyone's willing to take the risk and, 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 and put themselves in a position to, to get to that next rung, they get comfortable in a position and they just kind of sit there. So you got to also highlight that as well. Let me, let me, let me kind of uh, jive on that really quick, because mm -hmm. I definitely want to, you know, dance on that groove uh, really quick. So one thing that we did, and it was actually thanks to my co-founder who started this, uh, my co-founder, Alex, um, many, many years ago, we started on Fridays, we do what's called a wrap-up meeting. And basically, um, we started doing it at four o'clock. So before we were all in the office and now, you know, of course, people are working remotely. So um, there's like Zoom or Google Meet or whatever. Um, and all it is, is everybody is meeting and then they celebrate their wins for the week. Like, what are you proud of that you accomplished? And it creates this camaraderie. One thing that we introduced, um, I want to say a couple years back, was also celebrating fuck-ups, so F-ups, if you want to believe that. And I really, if, if you're not taking risks, I mean, you, you can calculate things, but if you're not taking risks or tr trying to innovate or even disrupt yourself, what happens is you, it, it's, it's like inflation, right? A dollar today is, a dollar, is, is less than a dollar tomorrow. That's the same thing if you're not taking risk. And because people that play it safe are decaying. So one thing in, in addition to celebrating the, um, you know, the wins that each team member had for, for the weekend, they sit there and you know, one goes and that person picks the other and they go what they're proud of for the week. We started celebrating the F-ups. And it might be like I sent the wrong contract. I... Uh, I F this up or I drop the ball on this other things too, but it, 
saying it out loud and then we clap we say oh that's great and the one thing is because you did that you don't ever want to come back and not learn from that experience but you know we encourage people to take risks just what we what we the culture that we breed is like look you guys work really hard pain stings just fix it afterwards it's not like going to be going to be afraid, like you're never going to do it again but just learn from it i keep on going sometimes you just have to make a decision we're not going to fire you unless like literally like you write a nasty email to the Pope or something with the Digsy email address. But the, the, the thing is they need, we, we need to create that culture in which they, the, you have to at least try to poke through the envelope because if not, your, your company's dying and people should not be penalized for risk. People should be, you know, rewarded for thinking creatively, et cetera. Now you can go off the spectrum and you can have people just do all kinds of things all day long that are just effing up all the time. But I think, you know, simply because you're voicing it and people are cheering you on, you don't want to come back and do that same thing again. So it kind of works to put it out in the world. And that's what we've done because it, risk is very important, not only at the founder and entrepreneur level, but you also need your people to be constantly, you know, trying things out, but also be calculated and responsible in the process. Absolutely. Great insights, really, on that front. That's awesome. So one thing I wanted to ask you, and this is, you know, typically what we like to ask our, uh, our guests near the end of the podcast is related to, you know, the most impactful book they've ever read. And the reason why we ask this is because, you know, Jeff and I are voracious readers, our audience members are also very voracious readers. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many books that we've had shared with us that now are my reading list. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of a, uh, you know, a, what do you call it? a selfish, a selfish question for me, but, you know, I kind of wanted to pose the question to you. What is one of the most impactful books you've ever read? So the most impactful book I've ever read is the seven habits of highly effective people. Um, it, it, it's very well put together and uh, it teaches you about, um, how to be responsible with, um, you know, your family and your coworkers, your employees, et cetera. But most importantly, it's not what happens to you is what you do. I don't want to say react is react. Reacting is a choice. So it teaches you around and you having control and making choices. Now, you are in command of your own self. The environment will do whatever, but it's your choice whether you let that ruin your mood or you let it do something else. And, you know, sometimes we relegate back to, you know, the human condition, which is, um, you know, reacting, getting upset up something, but just being able to be proactive, which is like, okay, this happened. I don't have to react that way. Um, I can take a step back and look at it like as if I'm an audience member looking at myself in this event. That helped, that's helped me tremendously uh, in business and in my personal relationship with my wife and you know when we were dating, et cetera, because it helps you value things differently and it gives you so much power. I mean, it just, it, it feels like you are in control because you are in control. Now, you're not always gonna stay on that bus. Sometimes we fall out. I fall out, I fall out, fall out quite often, but uh, it's good that, you know, constantly remind yourself of those things, but that's one of the best books if you guys haven't read it and I highly recommend it. Yeah. I'd say yeah. that's one that go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. No, I mean, yeah, that that's one that I've read multiple times. Uh, it is a very good book. So um, 
yeah i'm I'm glad you said that one because it, it doesn't be out there and people should you should definitely read it you should definitely read it. Definitely. It, it, it's, it's one of those books that's like Raphael. it's, it's like one mm-hmm. of those books that's almost like a bible it's it's crazy it's it's almost like a religious book it has nothing to do with religion but it, it almost makes you feel like the people who have read it and who are into it it feels like a little cult Definitely. No. And, and you mentioned the, the, the reactiveness to different stimuli within the environment. There's this book Did that I, I read. You guys? Called... No, I'm, I'm, are you here? You guys there? Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. You hear me? Okay. Yeah. okay synced, it synced up. Yeah. We can edit. Yeah. But so one of the books <laughs> that I read that I thought was this super, super impactful, that kind of references the, 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 this negative stimuli piece, which you, which you mentioned is the man, man search for meaning. And it talks about. <laughs> yeah. Victor Frankel. I read that Victor too. Frankel. Phenomenal book, but it, but it kind of changes your perspective on life because you realize that every negative stimuli out there, like there's there, I mean, what, what may be bad in your life pales in comparison to someone else's life that has gone through in the in history. And so when you, when you, when you encounter these negative stimuli that could historically may have may, made you put you in a position where you're just really down on yourself and, and really feel like you're down and out, you start putting it into perspective and say, okay, well, you know, is the, can I choose a different way to react to this stimuli and i can't tell you how impactful that's been in my life you know i felt like in the past i'd always react to things that that were negative perceived to be negative in my life in a certain way that really didn't benefit me at all and then when i started realizing that i can you know take how i'm feeling and choose an alternative path i mean mm-hmm. that's that would have been a game changer for me it's so, powerful mm-hmm. yeah and, and, I, powerful. and I, I just want to extract that piece because i you know obviously you know the the, the seven habits of highly effective people phenomenal book by the way i'm also uh, have read it uh, twice uh, once in re- reading it and then the other on audible which is you know it's funny thing. i yeah i ju- you guys just made me realize that i've i have the audible version mm-hmm. and i've read the book twice and i've listened to it like probably like two or three times and it's one of those books that you always get something new every time you, you reread it or listen to it again absolutely oh yeah sure Andrew, I just want to say we appreciate you coming on this uh, podcast. Uh, I know I've gained a ton of value um, from, especially on, on the growing a business piece. Uh, I love that part. Um, so one of the things that we actually have here at the CRE Academy is the CRE treasure chest, which is a repository of things that uh, our um, uh, clients and people that came on and guests that uh, gave us, and it can be uh, all kinds of solutions, a PDF or a case study, um, something kind of in your realm to, to give to the viewers that we, uh, that we give out that they, they can take value from. So, yeah. So a couple of things, uh, that, um, some strategies, for example, that, um, that like one that we, we employ with, uh, the virtual assistants, uh, the trained commercial real estate assistance service is like these scripts. Cause you know, we have hundreds of clients, so we've learned what sequence of questions, whether it's a seller or you're approaching tenants, like what series of questions, how to open it up, et cetera. Uh, I can make those available. Uh, so I'll open source it. And I'll, I don't know if you guys want me to send them to you and you'll put them on your website or you guys can let me know later so I can give that. There's also a PDF about hacks on how to generate uh, more commercial real estate like leads, whether it's a seller or a tenant, et cetera. So I can give, give you guys that PDF as well so that the listeners can download uh, and get some value from it. Yeah, no, I know. I'm sure yeah. our audience will gain a ton of value from that. And we actually have a uh, commercial real estate uh, treasure chest website that people can access. And what we'll do is we'll have it. Uh, we have like a thumbnail that that's going to be attributable to, to this, this podcast episode and right below it, they'll be able to access 
uh, yep. the information. So we'll communicate afterwards as well. So Perfect. Get that information. Yeah, I'd be happy to share that information. That's awesome, man. Really. And yeah, so thanks. really, Andrew, great conversation. Great to meet you. I feel like we're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. We are. We're, we're both nerds and we're yeah. both originally... <laughs> You're part Italian. My yeah. great grandmother was Italian and you're Hispanic and I'm Hispanic. And it's, it's, it's yeah. great. I just feel bad for Jeff. He's like the only white dude here. Yeah. yeah well, man. He's That's... a kindred, he's a kindred spirit too, though. Cause he's, he's actually he's I, an impressive I, guy. So actually most people will think that me and you work for Jeff. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, God. it. That's it. It's yeah, the opposite right now. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. But no, we really do appreciate your time, Andrew. I know you're very busy with what you're doing right now, and it, it is a great solution that you're offering to the marketplace. And we're really excited to see your growth yeah. over the next few years. Thanks, uh, guys. Thing, I really appreciate it. And one thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, if people want to learn more about the solution or get in contact with you for some reason because they want to, you know, potentially get onboarded, how exactly can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So they can go to Get Digsy. So if they want to see the products themselves, uh, they can go to getdigsy.com. So G E T as in Tom, D as in dog, I G S Y.com forward slash. Uh, you can go straight to the, to the section. So it'd be getdigsy.com forward slash products. So plural products. And then you'll be able to see the photography, the free online listing platform. And then if you want to get help uh, with, you know, trained commercial real estate um, people to help you grow your business or run your business, whether it's admin marketing, graphics, or cold calling lead generation, you guys can just contact the sales team through there. So get digsy.com forward slash products. That's awesome. Yeah. So for the, for those of yeah. you guys who are listening in a podcast format, we'll share that in the description. So if you guys want to access the description, the link will be there uh, for you to be able to get in contact. And then if you guys are watching this on YouTube uh, again, it'll be in the description below. So just navigate down there and you can do so that way as well. So again, thank you all so much for stopping by. If you guys are watching this in a YouTube format, we would greatly appreciate it. If you can like, and subscribe to this channel, it really helps with the YouTube algorithm ensures more and more people can hear this message. If you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, whether Spotify or Apple podcast, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. We've seen a significant uptick in our downloads as a result of you guys engaging with the podcast and actually leaving five-star reviews. So if you don't mind taking a second to be able to do that, that would be phenomenal. And we would greatly appreciate it. So thanks again so much for stopping by and we'll see you all next time.